Good morning. It's awesome to be here with you this morning. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas with family and friends. My family and I, we certainly did. We were very grateful to be able to visit family at a state, and that was a joy to be able to do so. I'm very thankful to be here with you back at home, to be in the house of the Lord. Will you pray with me as we begin to to hear from the Lord's word? To the one and only true God, to our giver, our provider, our creator, our savior, our sanctifier, our sustainer, we give you thanks for the countless blessings that you lavishly give to us. You are such a gracious and loving Father. I ask that you move in us and through us, the people of Gallatin Valley Church, because we are your people. We're the sheep of your pasture. May we serve you with gladness. May we know, may we come into your presence with singing. May we know that you are God. And may that knowing move us to be doers of your word. We give you thanks this morning for being our rock and our shelter. May you go before us and lead us. Amen. Amen. Again, I'm very excited to be here with you. Um, I invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 42. Okay, there's pew Bibles as well. It's not going to be on the screen. I make you open a Bible. I'm sorry. It's, that's more on the device. Whatever. Just pull it out. Psalm 42. That's where we're going to park this morning. And I want to look at this psalm and talk specifically about corporate worship. And what do I mean by corporate worship? Uh, like, uh, uh, first through fifth graders, if you're near, can you just, for me, just say the word corporate worship. Can you say it? Corporate worship. Very good. What is it? What does that mean? Well, the word corporate, it's a big word. It comes from the Latin word corpus, which means body. And from that Latin word, we also get the word core, spelled C-O-R-P-S, right? But the P and S are silent. It's core. It's where you get the word, the term for Marine Corps. They call the military branch the Marine Corps, the Marine body, right? The Marine Corps has this military principle, right, that's never leave a man behind, okay? It's a reminder that every single member of the military unit is valuable. They're not to be left behind on the battlefield or in civilian life, and that's because they act as one. And in the same way, when we gather in this place, right here, right here in this room, We are the body of Christ. We're built up with Christ as our cornerstone. And when we corporately worship, we are worshiping as one together. The worship of the Lord in this place is important. It's vital. And we got to talk about it. It needs to be in the forefront of our minds. And this psalm helps us, reminds us of that. So as we talk about corporate worship, I want to make sure that we don't lose sight of this truth, though, that authentic worship is not a narrowly defined activity that only takes place on Sunday morning, right? Worship doesn't only happen at one time and one place. Worship is any act of service 
given to God by a soul who loves and praises God for who he is. And that's going to happen everywhere. That being said, then real worship is the full-time, non-stop activity of every believer. And the focus of our worship should be to praise God and not to be focused on ourselves or other things. Encompass Kids, the uh, children's ministry of our church, our key verse is Hebrews 12, 2. It says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That means that as we live our lives, we are focusing our hearts towards Jesus. We're focusing on him because as human beings, we've been uniquely created by God to be worshiping creatures. And as worshiping creatures, when we come together in this place and our focus and attention is on the Lord, it's powerful. It's powerful. Now, when I say worship in this place, I don't just mean singing praise and worship songs to God. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for all the hard work that Josh and his team do. But that's only part of our worship to God in this place because the entire service is worship to God. When Pastor Nick is preaching and when we're hearing God's word, when we pray together, when we give tithes and offerings, when we respond to the Lord through all of it, it's all worship. It's all corporate worship. And that worship is powerful because it changes us. And then we take what we've experienced in this place, outside these walls, and act upon what God has given us, given to us in our time together to proclaim Jesus in all we do. So I want to read Psalm 42 together, and I want us to ask ourselves, what does this scripture tell us about corporate worship? Okay. All right. I'm just going to read verses one through five. The whole thing is awesome, but we're just going to stick to that for today. Read with me. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the, with the throng, that is a great multitude of people, and lead them in procession in the house, to the house of the Lord with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. That's powerful stuff. That's pretty heavy. It's New Year's Eve service, bring, bring in a heavy verse like that. What am I thinking? All right. But the language is powerful. I like it. It may be even a little bit confusing. But if I boil it down, can I just tell you what I hear in this psalm? Longing. Longing. Wanting to be with the Lord. Desiring to be with God's people, crying out to be in the house of the Lord. 
The psalmist here expresses this wanting to be with God and to worship him in the house like needing water. My soul pants or longs for God. That is what the psalm says. He says, my soul thirsts for the Lord. You ever been so thirsty? Just so thirsty. Your mouth is dry. Your tongue, you know, is just oh, just dry. And oh, I, need, I need some water. You've been running around. You've been outside. You go inside to the house. You go, you grab the glass. You put it under the faucet. You fill it full of water. And then you take it and just... awesome it's so satisfying it's awesome that's what they're talking about right here it's so 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 good to drink that water and in the same way that you want water in that moment when you're so thirsty is how much the psalmist wants to be with God and his people in God's house, worshiping the Lord. That's how bad he wants to worship. And as we continue to read, the psalmist shares that they're in some kind of hardship. There's a struggle happening here. Life is difficult We look in verse 3, he says, My tears have been food day and night, and while they say to me, Where is your God? That's weird, to eat tears. What does he mean? I mean, I'm thinking, he's, he's crying a lot. He's sad. There's difficulty happening. He's mourning. There's loss. There's hurt. He's been crying for some time, and not only is he crying, but as he's doing that, there's people bullying him and mocking God, saying, where's your God in the midst of your struggle? You ever been there? I know young people in our church who experience that kind of mocking at school regularly. Maybe you feel that in your workplace or with unsafe friends or coworkers. So the question is, what can we do about it? What does the psalmist do? Well, if we look in verse 4, he says this, I remember these things as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng. Again, that's a large group of people. Us, right here. Go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of the Lord with glad shouts and songs of praise. What gives this follower of the Lord hope and strength? It's the core. It's the body of believers singing praises and worshiping God as they approach the house of the Lord. That's what gives him strength and hope. This psalm reminds us of a very important truth that worshiping together is no small thing. What happens on Sunday morning in this place isn't just something to check off our lists. Something powerful and transforming is taking place here. Something 
deeply, deeply significant. And we're reminded to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, if I look at this verse, there's a couple of things I learn about corporate worship. It says he's longing for God, but I don't hear this. I don't see, I'm longing to be entertained. I'm longing to gain knowledge and information that I can just store. He's not saying anything. I'm longing for my own personal preference. He doesn't say anything like that. He's not crying out saying, I can't wait to be in the house of the Lord as long as I get what I want. Because he knows who God is. He knows that he is the Lord. My prayer is that for us in this place that we will long to worship the Lord together. We're doing that. I'm sitting right here hearing us sing. That's happening right now. When God's word is opened up, the Holy Spirit is moving. We got to believe it. It's true. It's true. I was sitting with my dad in Fresno, California on Friday, having breakfast with him. He had no idea I was preaching on Psalm 42, but he told me this story right out of nowhere, okay, uh, about this recent trip that he took to Salt Lake City. So my dad was born and raised in Salt Lake, okay. He, his dad, who was a Mormon, uh, left my grandma Betty, and my grandma Betty remarried an Irish Catholic with the last name of McEntee, okay, right? So uh, my dad raised Mormon, then kind of Irish Catholic, you know? And then, and then it wasn't until years later when he met my mom in California that he became a true follower of Jesus Christ. So now he's in his mid-80s. He was traveling to Salt Lake City for the funeral of one of his four sisters. My dad has five siblings. I think it's an LDS or an Irish Catholic thing. Um, uh, <laughs> but this was not a vacation, right? This was a difficult trip for him. After the funeral and time with family, it was time for him to take the long drive home back to California. And he shared this with me, okay? These are some of his words that he used. He said, as I left Salt Lake, I just left the belly of the whale. That's how he described it, okay? And what he means by that is Salt Lake City is a heaviness for my father, okay? Lots of history there, right? And then the loss of his sister and all of that. There was a heaviness in his soul with the loss of his sister. And he also began to feel ill. In his mid-80s, he, he, when he's traveling, he sometimes gets these heart issues, heart palpitations, things like that. And, and he'll have to kind of take it easy and then it'll be fine. But he's on the middle of this trip with his sister. His sister has to drive and take over. And he's miserable. Okay? He finally arrives home. He goes, I go to church. I get out of my car. I'm walking up to the church building. And I hear, I see the doors open. And I hear people singing. My dad's sitting here. 
in this coffee joint in Fresno with tears in his eyes. He goes, it was the most wonderful thing I've ever experienced in my life. It felt so good. I knew I was home. I knew I needed that. My dad shared that story with me on Friday, not knowing that I was preaching on this. But that's a lot like Psalm 42. My dad was longing to be with God's people in the house of the Lord, worshiping the Lord together. His soul was thirsting for God. And when he heard that sound of singing, he remembered. And it's powerful. There's something about the coming together of God's people and worshiping him in this place. And it's something magnificent, massive, huge, so important. And what the psalmist is saying is this, I need God. I need to be in church worshiping him with his people because it is vital to me. And man, we need this reminder. I need this reminder. Because sometimes we just take it all for granted. Sometimes we forget how significant this time is. It's New Year's Eve. You know, and I have a confession to make and a resolution. All right, but I'm not going to call it a resolution. Well, let's just call it like a New Year's hope. All right, I think that's better. Okay, first, the confession. All right, if you're here and you're a guest and you're thinking, I went to that church, the pastor got up and gave a confession to the whole church. I'm sorry, it's going to be okay. All right, uh, uh, but I got one. Right, so here it is. There are times when I come into this church, into this place on a Sunday morning, and I take it for granted. I'm far too easily distracted, and I do not focus on the Lord. Anyone else know what, that, what I'm talking about? Am I the only, only one? I make this confession because I want to be held accountable. I want it. I want to worship the Lord in this place with you. And I want to be, and I want this to be a place where we come together worshiping the Lord because that is what we are created to do. That's my confession. And now, my New Year's hope. All right? Here it is. Right? And this is for us. This is for Gallatin Valley Church, this church that I love to serve and I love to be a part of. Here it is. That when we gather in this place to worship through song and the hearing of God's word, through prayer, tithes and offerings, that our worship will be authentic, true, real, and focused on pleasing and uplifting to God, that we will remember him like the psalmist does. That's my prayer. That's my hope. Because I love the Lord. I seek to love the Lord. And I love, I love you. I love this church. Because it's Christ's church. And in Christ's church, it matters that we worship together. It's real. This is real. This is true. This is powerful. 
But it begs the question, how? How do we do it? My senior saints, my gray-haired wise folk, that's a term of endearment, please. Okay? I understand that our, that our culture is a Ikea, like, like one-use, throwaway culture. I get it. Youth is exemplary, you know, and, and if you've got gray hairs, it's time to sit down and be quiet. No, not, not in, in the biblical economy. It's not that way. You have much to give, much to teach. You have much to learn from your wisdom and experience. To you senior saints and moms and dads, children, kids, how can we better worship the Lord in this place? To the adults, as the children's pastor asks, how can we lead our children to worship the Lord everywhere by modeling good corporate worship in this place so that there is a longing for God in here, in our children? How are we going to do that? Kids, how are you going to worship the Lord in this place with the body, with all of us? Because you are a follower of Jesus. And how you worship in this place, it matters too. I have a few things in mind. Here they are. One, when we come into this place, are we coming in focused on the Lord? Are we fixing our eyes on Jesus? Are we prepared Right? Can I tell you on a Saturday night how tempting it is to stay up late? Sincerely. I mean, getting a good night's rest. That's a simple thing. Uh, ben, you're being legalistic. Like, please stop ordering my life. You can do whatever you want. Stay up till two in the morning, all I care. It's your, your life. But let me ask you, when you come into church on a Sunday morning, are you prepared? I know when I do something like that, I'm not. I'm not prepared. How do we come prepared? Are we fixing our eyes on Jesus? Or are we fixing our eyes on other things as we're coming into this place? Work stuff, I get it. What's happening after church, maybe. I do that. What friends are going to be there? I know our children do that, which, by the way, is not bad. I love it. But where are, where's our focus? Or maybe we're just thinking about cereal Sunday. All right? Now, listen. Those things, again, those things aren't bad. I love cereal Sunday. I'm the one that brought it to the church. But there's something I know. Cereal ain't going to save you. It doesn't save Okay, my, thir- my, my soul doesn't thirst to be entertained. My soul doesn't thirst for more work. My soul doesn't thirst for Captain Crunch. No, sometimes, baby. No, it doesn't, it doesn't. My soul thirsts for God. It's significant because worshiping together in this place, it matters And it matters because of who we worship, the Lord, and who we are in him and the relationship that we have with him. So I plead, I plead with you, please, 
don't have a shallow view of what happens in this place when we join together. Because we're worshiping the king of glory in this place. Our view and our focus should be on him. That's first. Second, right? We need to remember that we're not here to be entertained. My soul, again, doesn't cry to be entertained. It cries to be with my Savior. If I come into this place and simply want to be entertained, then my focus is on my wants and my needs. Moms, dads, children, we can have, kids, we can have fun in church, fun in worship too. I'm not meaning to come in here and go, I'm not saying to come here and be, oh, it's just so we got must not have fun, must be frozen chosen, right? I'm not saying that. No. But let me tell you this. Fun is not the point of worship in this place. Worshiping God is the point. Are we focused on just what we want? Or are we focused on him? You know, people uh, ask this question. I've asked this question a lot. Like after church, you go, hey, how was church? How did you like church today? That puts the focus on me. Oh, did I like church? I think a better way of saying it is this. How was God honored in church today? Because how you like it is really, I'm sorry, this is going to ego crush you. Not that important. It's not. It's not that important. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. Third, we need to remember that we're not here simply just to get information. And this is specifically about the preached word. When Pastor Nick preaches the word, we aren't simply taking in information because God's word is meant to transform us. In kids' church, we memorize this verse. It's James 1.22. It is, uh, be doers of the word and not... Thank you. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. I'm going to say it another way. Okay, here it is. We want to be doers of the word and not knowers only. If we just know God's word but don't put it into practice, it's just knowledge. It's just information. And that knowledge must move from our heads to our hearts to our hands. It's got to bring into in action. Why does the psalmist want to worship God? Because he knows who God is and his knowing of who God is, is expressed in his thoughts and his feelings and his actions. He pours out his soul, not because of some information. No, he pours out his soul because he knows who God is and it's transformed how he lives. It transforms how he feels and thinks and does everything. It's not simply about getting information or being entertained. How we worship in this place matters and how, and our, and how we express it in our worship matters too. We can corporately worship in an expressive way. I've seen folks raise their hands in worship. Cool. And people sit in worship. Fine. We can kneel in prayer. We can sign in worship. I've seen that in this place, right? People signing in worship. I think it's a beautiful expression, right? 
We do all of those things because our knowing of, of who God is is expressed in our worship, right? So does this mean, though, that we should just let our emotions run wild because that's the general, the, generally the fear, right? Is Ben just up here saying, just go for it, just do whatever? No, I'm not. It's not all about feelings. But I do think that feelings matter. They shouldn't control us. If I look at Psalm 42, there's a lot of feeling going on in this text. There's some strong feeling here. But again, it's backed with knowing who God is. That knowledge has transformed into a heart expression, which is then expressed in corporate worship. It's incredible. We've got to be balanced in that. <sighs> My takeaway is this from this psalm, is that we can worship God with everything we've got and do it and never shut our brains off to who he is, period. That's it. That's it. We can worship God in a balanced way. We can worship in spirit and in truth. To Gallatin Valley Church, I desperately, with all my mind, with all my heart, with all my knowing and feeling, desire us to worship God with all that we got in this place. I see it. It's beautiful. I love it. Because worshiping God is the greatest thing we can do. And it points to our future hope of heaven. How we corporately worship matters. And I want us to worship with all our soul, mind, and strength as we grow together in our faith. That looks like unity. That brings about unity. Corporate worship does that. It's powerful. As I wrap up, I just want to share this, this last story in a piece of scripture. Recently, a family that is part of the White Silver Springs Alliance Church lost their teenage son in a car accident. It's terrible. Tragedy. Beyond words, what that family must be experiencing. The young man was in the passenger side as his brother drove the truck. A deer came out in front of them, got lodged in the wheel well, lost control of the vehicle. Huge wreck takes place. The brother who was driving comes out alive, but his brother in the passenger side loses his life and goes to be with the Lord I had the opportunity to talk with the pastor of that church and he shared with me about the funeral and how the community had come around this family dealing with such pain, hurt, and loss. And I asked him, what did you preach on at that funeral? And he said, Psalm 100. Because this young man's mom and dad requested Psalm 100 because it was his favorite verse. Psalm 100, if you don't know, is a psalm of thanksgiving to God. 
That's the scripture that they read and preached at this funeral. Someone might think that it sounds almost absurd to read a psalm of thanksgiving in the midst of such loss, but his parents believed that that was the best way to honor their son's life and to express his knowledge of who God is. And his family would hope to aspire to that in the midst of such pain. So I want to read this psalm to you with that in mind. Okay? Here it is. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Man, in the context of a young man going to be with the Lord so young, that psalm hits a little different, doesn't it? And it reminds me in the midst of anything that happens in this world, that God is who he says that he is, and our worship of him together gives us hope and strength. That church in White Silver Springs, they know the reality of that all too well right now. In that moment, That family, that church, that community was longing for the Lord, longing to be in his presence, and they remembered him for who he is, just like the psalmist. They poured out their soul, giving thanksgiving to God. May our focus continue to be on the Lord in this place. May our minds, our hearts, our strength, our everything be focused on him. And may that be known. May it be felt. May it be heard. May it be seen. May that pour out within us and throughout us as we worship our God who deserves all praise. Because He is, because we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. May we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, because God is good. We got to know it. We got to know it. We can't just know it here. We got to know it right here. And guess what? We can do both at the same time. We got to do that. I'm looking forward to worshiping in this place in 2024 and beyond with you as we remember who he is. Will you pray with me?
God, may we make a joyful noise to you. May we serve you with gladness. May we come into your presence with singing. May we know that you are God, and may that knowing translate into real, real action. May we know that you made us, that you are creator, that we are yours because you are savior. We are your people. May we enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. May we bless your name. May your name be blessed in all the earth. May we say less of me and more of you. And God, I pray that you be with this church. May you guide us. May you direct us. May you lead us. Lord, be with the church and the family in White Sulphur Springs who've lost their precious child. May your spirit give them true peace, real shalom. God, give us boldness. Give us unity. Give us obedience and faith and true worship in your name.